This is Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast. Welcome once again. A reminder, please subscribe if you're listening for the first time. You'll enjoy it. We have a visual component that we we kicked off again on Wednesday. We'll get to that shortly. And we like your reviews and we like your comments. And we read them and we'll respond with anger or uh, with delight. Hello, Vince. Hi, Max. I, Our, got, I finally got somebody asking me, hey, where's the podcast? We're where's gonna the get, po- we yeah. didn't get one before Leon. This is the one. This is the one. By the way, this should be a, a visual one because Vince is wearing an interesting hat. I am wearing I have a red shirt, red shoes. Outfit on. Okay, there's been people walking around this you office. pull it off. If, uh, talking about style, and I'm thinking, you ain't got no style. Yes. I got some style, bro. You're, you look great in it. Thank you. The reason is like, if I, if I was wearing this outfit, I would be ridiculed to no end. Well, because this is me. It's you. You can't just show up and be like, hey, I'm hat guy now. Yeah. No. Right. You, you have. Gotta, look. You also have the cheese cutter hat, which we called it as a kid, which is the hat you wore it a couple days ago, which is the hat Brian Johnson wore at ACDC. He always had that hat. Well, I told, I told, I was talking to Aubrey the other day and we were talking about cool clothes and, and I go, you know, you know what rock and roll is? You, it literally is a cool jacket and a cool hat. I spent my entire rock and roll career trying to find cool jackets and cool hats. That's 90% of it. I'm Boots. not even, I'm not even going to lie. Boots are nice, but I mean, from there, you, you, that's where you build your outfit. Build yeah. it from a cool hat, cool jacket. Then you can wear a torn up t-shirt, torn up jeans, some cool right. boots. And you always, I think, is important to wear, my style so- wear something that ages well, like something that you would wear in the 70s, mm-hmm. that they still wear in the 90s, whether it's denim, obviously it's a big one, yeah. that you wear into 2020s. Don't, don't buy new stuff. Buy yeah. something that means something to you that you want to keep. That's another good rock and roll recycling tip. That was a freebie there. That's why you want to listen inside LAFC. Yeah, For style fashion tips. tips and style tips. We have a very busy show. Very excited. Coming up, we have an interview with Tom Marshall, who works for ESPN FC, and he is their man on the ground in Mexico. He lives in Guadalajara. He is all over the big games. He'll break down the Leon games. It's an interview we already pre-taped, and I can tell you, if you're going down to the game, pay attention. Uh, obviously, if you're an LAFC fan, you're going to learn a lot in a short amount of time about where Leon stand right now. So it's very helpful as you prepare for these two games coming up over the next couple of weeks. We're going to preview the game against FC, excuse me, Toronto FC. Preview. Our, review. Review our Toronto FC game that was played in a beautiful conditions, open door with the fans on Wednesday afternoon. And we'll have our official preview, as you said, for the Leon game. We want to begin with the news of Walker Zimmerman being traded. And we'll give our thoughts about Walker Zimmerman, but just on the club side of this and the situation where uh, why you would do something like this with your season about the beginning, getting uh, trading your best defender, at least according to the best 11s that MLS released. LEFC wants Walker's in their roster. So from what I understand, he is valued a certain way. And a club, you're going to, let's say it's a trade. Mm-hmm. And you'll give me the specifics. You can say I'm, I'm way off on this. You get a trade, and we've had spoken with John Thorrington and Bob Bradley and everyone inside. We're at the Performance Center. I'm there a couple days a week. You're there three, four days a week. Yeah. So you have a lot of conversations off the record, on the record. And, you know, let's say in the NBA, this is not apples to apples. Just making the example. Someone wanted to trade LeBron James. Get LeBron James. Yeah, I'm not going LeBron James. Lakers, we're not trading LeBron James. And this team comes out. We'll give you a first-round pick this year, next year, the year after that, the year after that. We'll give you our best player. The Lakers go, oh, we're going to trade LeBron James. Like, yeah, there's, there's a point where... You value a guy a certain way, and then a team comes in and gives you, exceeds that, yeah. as good as Walker is. If you're a smart business, 
you say yes. Yeah, I, th- I think you 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 make a good point. There's. I thought there, you were looking at me. Go, you're a lunatic. No, no, no. There's, there there definitely is a point where if a team offers you so much, you'd be not doing your job if you didn't say yes. And as difficult as it is, and I think that's exactly the situation we're in. They, 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 I'm sure they're now. John said it came together quickly when it was finalized. Uh, but he also talked about a little bit, you know, there's, there's inquiries. you got good players. There's going to be inquiries. Guys came in and said, hey, we were interested in you. You said, they got, here they offer. go, no, yeah. thank you. There's and, been a lot of that. And to be honest with you, it's not like it's not like all of a sudden they're like, oh, my God, what do we do? No, they, I mean, they literally, John, Bob, the whole entire coaching staff, the, all of John's staff with Will Koontz and Max Odenheimer, they're literally always looking at the roster saying, where can we get better here? What do we have? Uh, what's our cap space like? I mean, this is almost a daily process for them. So when somebody comes in and says, hey, we'll offer you this, they can already look and go, okay, well, here's where we could go if we accepted that. Here's what we have in reserve. Uh, and I think they looked at the roster and they looked at somebody like, we'll bring this up, Tristan Blackman. Um, they didn't want to be as forthright with it because there's a lot of guys on the roster like Dan Yakovich, uh, there's Danilo Silva, there's Jordan Harvey who's played a lot at center back. So they didn't want to single out one guy, but I think you're looking at Tristan Blackman. You're saying, one, we've given him a contract extension and we gave him a little bit of a bump in pay because we see a guy that at 23 years old has a lot of upside, has a high ceiling. And then you have Walker, who's a known quantity, which is the reason why you get that kind of offer you get. We talked a little bit about it on the... And you want you want to have known quantities because right. that's where you get the knocks on the, the in door. Our, in our live review, I brought it up. Look, the amount of money and GAM that we can use directly for salaries and for salary cap purposes is from this larger trade. from this trade is larger than if you would have sold Walker for ten million dollars to Europe. Give an just give an idea. I'm sorry, that's a great point. I don't want to undercut you, but give you an idea of now the club. We don't know what they're going to do with it, but with this million dollars, what kind of flexibility it does it gives LAFC moving forward in a in a league where uh, you are handcuffed with what you can do financially, and if you can find ways to get a little more flexibility, you go after it. Yeah, I mean, we, so you bring in Francisco Janela, you bring in Jose Cifuentes. That's starting to really eat away at your cap. I know the new CBA gave us a little bit more breathing room, so I'm sure the John and, and a little Will, bit this year, it'll a little more. bit. It's not a, it's not yeah, a ton it, this it's, year. It's it's incremental, incremental, right? so growth. I'm sure they looked at that and said, okay, that's nice. We got a little bit of this, but now you, you take Walker's base salary off, which is which is fairly high. He was a TAM player, and then also again this amount that you receive that can go immediately towards your salary cap and towards player acquisition within the salary cap. It's huge. I mean, I think at this point now, they're kind of looking and go, wow, okay. We had some flexibility. Now we have a lot of flexibility. So like Bob said, we they look at their roster. They look at what they have. They say, man, we this is the club that we are. This is the club culture that we are. When we see opportunities to bring guys along and move other guys in that can do something for us in a deal where you can't say no, we're going to do it. We can't be afraid of that. We can't be afraid of, oh, God, we, we can't lose this guy. It's the face of the franchise. There, there's no face of the franchise. There's a culture that's in place. Walker is a big part of that. I, I, don't, I want to stress that. He was, he was a big, big part of it, and that's why I think a team like Nashville looks and goes, man, can we get a, a foundational piece, a guy that has kind of been through this, knows where it's at? I mean, Walker's going to bring a wealth of knowledge that I don't think anybody there's, – there's nearly not anybody in the world you could bring in other than Walker Zimmerman that could say, hey – I know exactly what gone through, and in two years, brought the first trophy to LFC and the the best team in MLS all time. Uh, that's you you can't you almost can't put a price on that. Uh, but yeah, Bob looks at it and says, "This is an offer we can't refuse. We've already got guys in the ready, and I'm going to coach up these guys. I'm going to continue to coach up these guys that are here, just like he coached up Walker, and we're gonna we're gonna roll with it." And I think again, our, 
Tristan Blackman, I, I've, I've joked around, I am now president of the Tristan Blackman fan club. Oh, really? I, Can I, I join? Yeah, of course. All You're right. all in. Hey, all right. anybody that wants in is in because I, I just look at him. I look at his tools. I look at the high ceiling he has. Some of the things he brings that he does a little differently from Walker. Some of the athleticism. Look, you're going to lose. Uh, you, you talked about it in our game. You go, hey, man, we're not going to be as good as set pieces. Fair point. Yeah, I said that. I go, yeah. look, I think set, we, it was, we never really got a lot of goals on set pieces, but more so corner kicks. I think set pieces, free kicks yeah. in the right spot, we have those guys. But corner kicks, you may concede those few that you had, which is fine. They, from the flow of play, LFC score a historic amount of goals. Yeah. From a physical perspective, Walker's a monster, both on set pieces, defensively. And I think he's going to go to Nashville and he's going to be in a system where maybe they're going to say, hey, start that line 10 yards back. Maybe don't put so much space behind you. See, see how that works. And he's going to look great and he's going to do well for them. But on the flip side, you got a guy like Tristan Blackman who we can say, Hey, push that line up forward because you have the ability to recover. You have the athleticism to, to make With that time as a right back. Yeah, where, where you can you can take two v twos and you can sort it. We don't need to get everyone back. I mean, one of the one of the things I pointed out in my takeaways yesterday from the Toronto game was there was a moment where there was a two v two that turned into a two v four within a matter of seconds because Tristan Blackman ran back and I think it was either Latif or Pancho Janela ran back to help out Jordan Harvey and Dan Yankovic, and again. 2v2 with Josie Altator and, and one of their wingers turned into a 2v4. It was over. It was snuffed it out in a matter of seconds. And those are the types of things that I think Tristan is going to bring to to this team, whether it's from center back or right back. I mean, ostensibly, if you have him at right back, he's still going to be able to be athletic enough that you got, you know, you got your two center backs and he can get back from that right back position. So there's a lot of things from the soccer perspective that I, that I know that John and Bob look at and go, I think we're going to be okay here. And then, like you said, at a certain point, when you get offered that much money, if you're not if if you're not doing due diligence to the future of your club, if you're not accepting it, but obviously you know it's tough, man. It was tough to it's see Walker. It was tough to see him, uh, you know, upset about leaving friends and and teammates in a place that he really embraced from a community perspective and from a, a just a personal perspective. He was just such a great guy here, and I I wish him the best in Nashville. He had an event that I was going to help MC participate a couple weeks from now. It's in my calendar. I leave it there just to remind you. I was like, oh, man. And just, you know, it's a reminder of this business. It's it's what it is. And it happens in every sport. And guys beloved that have been for a franchise for 10, 15 years, it happens to them as well. But uh, it just in closing, we'll talk about Walker a little bit more. It's... Um, you think about that South American pipeline and now what they can do with that, with the money. It could be very, very cool. And I think with Nashville, good for them. Look, they they needed to make a splash. They needed to make an impact. All right, here's our team. It's not good enough. We need a, we need an anchor in the back, and they got it. And I love what you said about how that could help him be his more traditional center back that he plays on the national team. It could help him with a national team as well. Not that LFC wouldn't, but I think showing what what close to what they play could work. And because they need him so much, they were going to come in and overpay. So that was great. But I think in Nashville side, if you're a Nashville fan, I don't think many Nashville fans are listening. <laughs> but if you there are, there's two big trades of this nature made in recent memory. Darlington Nagby, who went to Atlanta, that paid off for them. And then Ico Parra to Minnesota, that paid, paid off, off big, big time. time for Minnesota. You look at the goals that they allowed prior and this. They're they Nashville knows this, and they go look this. We have a little extra this game. Let's general allocation money and let's go out and uh, let's uh, make a splash with it for a guy that could be there for a long time. 
Yeah, I think this is one of those, everyone that's been asking me, this is one of those rare occasions where I think there's no real losers in this. I mean, obviously, we lose a great guy and a great personality and, a, again, a force in the community. Um, but if you look at it from a pure sporting side, I think it's equal value. It's equal value going both ways, and I think it's going to be yeah. great for Nashville. And well said. Whatever John and, and Will do, do with this money is going to be great for LFC. Yeah. For Walker, um, just on, I don't want to put myself in the story, but I always do. You know, we call games on YouTube TV. And um, we get chances. We don't get the big rivalry games. I will not call a Galaxy game, and I understand that. We won't probably call a Timbers game or uh, some of the big games on the East, East Coast, New York, Atlanta. That's fine. That's what it, we get to call some games, about half of them, over the season, and I cherish them. And incredibly, I've had some great moments with those games. Mm-hmm. And Real Salt Lake last season, 1-1 late. Walker Zimmerman gets it off his ball, and he blasts it. Uh, you know, as a broadcaster, those things I'll remember forever. And those are famous moments where you'll always remember where you were and did it. And he gave me a thrill with that, and I appreciate that. But Walker was, and Sally were always uh, around. I was so impressed with him going to the national team, getting back. I mean, it became his schedule became really busy. He was patient, work, waiting for a new contract. He got all these things happened really quickly for him. And he handled it in stride, and he came back from those things. He came back from the contract. Ready. It wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to. For the national team, ready, knowing what he had to do. And I think that's a real testament to him. He's a lovely guy. Uh, I think he's going to do great where, where he's at Nashville. He's from the, from the South uh, originally. Yep. So it's going to be a void because I think being there from the beginning and his place, we talk about Laurent Simon, and he was the, the face defensively, and he, he left very quickly. And so many guys have gone here, and Benny and some others. But this is the first one that really yeah. tenured – you know, there's like three or four guys that have been tenured from the beginning heading into the third season, and that was one. So it was tough. I mean, we heard it, and uh, we all get it, but it was, uh, it was certainly tough. And I think it was tough for the coaches and players to hold back the emotions because of the void he's going to leave in so many ways. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, Walker Zimmerman, first player on our podcast. First player on our podcast. Are you going to make me cry, dude? I know. I'm going to make you feel bad. I mean, I, I obviously, Walker had his own podcast. I obviously worked very closely with him on that podcast. So for me, I, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to him at, at the performance center that day, but I sent him a little text. He also text did the beta time show uh, jingle. Did the beta time show jingle. I mean, he was just such a fun guy to be around. Um, never, never had a down day, even if maybe he did have a down day. Whenever we saw him, high fives, good dude to be around. So Nashville's getting, getting a real good one. Um, and a great family. Like you, you brought up Sally. Great family. They're just they're good people, and, and they're going to embrace that city, and I hope that I'm sure that they're going to take them in with, with open arms. All right. We certainly due diligence, and we, we will remember Walker. We look forward to seeing him out and about on the MLS season. will not be forgotten here anytime soon. If you go to the performance there, there will be photos of him that will be there for a long time. They don't take those down. Let's move really quickly to the tr- Toronto game on Wednesday. It was open door after the previous two were closed doors. And uh, LAFC, we did the NYCFC. They ran circles around them. New York City FC didn't look like they were ready for it. A little different FC Dallas game, a stern test. And Toronto certainly did. Um, I think there's some lessons certainly to be taken away. I think there's this feeling of... I thought we controlled the match really well, though. Did did you feel... Like, Dallas was the one game where... I thought they really brought it to us, and I was actually very impressed by Dallas. But it, it made sense. I mean, they have a the the New York game. We 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 both sat back and we said, "Man, they got a lot of work to yeah. do." I mean, a new coach, new system, a lot of revolving door players in that system. Dallas, you know, Lucho Gonzalez has been there. 
he has a very definitive idea of what he wants to do, and I think it shows in in the the young players he's bringing through and the system he's doing. Greg Vanny is similar in a similar type of way. So Toronto's a strong team. Obviously, they're missing Michael, who's going to be out uh, to start the season. Uh, but they brought, you know, Josie was there. Their first team was good. The one they had that it had everyone team. minus Michael Bradley and maybe a couple of guys mm-hmm. defensively. But it was that that's the team that finished in MLS Cup. Yeah, by and large with Josie. But I thought. For the most part, we controlled that match. I think. Yeah. I think one of the things that that you that you were bringing up with the lessons is the lesson was, hey man, when you make bad passes in bad situations, gonna you're gonna you're gonna pay. I mean, that's how they got their goal. I think, really, the the moments that they created were uh, a product of mistakes. Yep. Yeah. This is more to my point here, and I think the, the the observers will go, all right, this is our last game before we play it for real. You want it to kind of match up where you go, all right, we're ready for that. It never happens that way. Yeah. And I think that the situation will, t- will remedy itself where LAFC will be ready. It's going to be, I'm going to head out there at some point tomorrow on Friday where you're doing on Thursday. I want to see, because we have all the pieces now in place. We obviously talked about Pancho Ginella going into the second half, doing well, kind of as you would have faded a bit in the second half, gave the ball away where he didn't, but you know, grew into confidence there. Mm-hmm. Jose Cifuentes coming in and combining on some plays in a smaller sample size. Yeah. And uh, all in all, you look at, um, and we'll get to the big story, obviously, but you get the most out of it. I mean, obviously guys coming in and out. Interesting, Carlos Vela goes the duration for all these games. And Carlos, I know I'm just looking. Just he's ready. Around. He's cruising. But you know he's just ready to, yep, and he will because there's times where you go, "What happened to Carlos?" And he's always responds to it. But this is he's preseason, he's doing it. But it's it's kind of a juxtaposition where, hey, it's preseason, you're getting ready for the first game, and he's, I'm cruising, but I'm going 90 minutes. But yeah. there's something there that, that I think is going to pay off here pretty soon. And when we say cruising, we mean we don't mean he's taking a, a day off. He knows how to smartly use his legs because there was moments where he deferring turned it on. to teammates yeah. to see what they can do. Yeah, I, you see that multiple times. Where you go, all right, I'm going to give you your chance. See if you can pull this off. Yeah, getting guys involved, making them because look, Carlos knows what he can bring and what he can do within the system, and his teammates know what he can bring and what he can do within the system. But how can he combine with teammates? How can he put them in moments to shine? He's, That's what he did. He can find in his, bushels yeah, on, find in these, own, during the preseason. Exactly. He can find his own moments to shine. But where can he find dangerous opportunities for, for his teammates? I think the first goal was one of those cool opportunities where uh, Adrian Perez got into a good area. I mean, we that, that first goal, we rotated the ball across the entire 18-yard box. We're patient. There was great spacing. And then basically, Brian makes a great run, times his run to perfection. All Carlos has to do is roll it into him. And, and Brian's got that shot that, like, literally, it's got to sting the palms of any goalkeeper. Um, and he just can't keep it out. So Carlos knows when to pick his moments. Um, but he also knows, like, yeah, I just want to get 90 minutes under my legs. I want to get some running in. Um, and I'll do do some things uh, when, when I can. But for the most part, he's, he's being smart because, like you say, there's literally no, how could you recreate what's gonna be occurring when you go down to Leon? You just can't recreate it. So you got to do your best to just try to keep your don't level pretend. high and do something. Okay, we're yeah. gonna, let's don't pump don't, in yeah. fake. <laughs> don't try to overhype yourself for something. Let's that's decline not gonna, oxygen to the players. Yeah, you're yeah. never gonna you're never gonna reach that level. But I'll tell you what, training this week is gonna be cutthroat. Yes, it's gonna be. I I, I really can't wait because everyone is there and there are spots. There are has to be debates. Yep. There has to be even you know. We talked about uh, Tristan Blackman, but it's not etched in stone. Maybe nope. they bring, you know, there's guys who've played central defense, as you mentioned, that will play all through preseason, and that's worth something. I, I, you get the feeling there's a midfield spot mm-hmm. that's not etched in stone. 
it depends on what Latif. I think would be in midfield, but you know, you, you know, you never know. Maybe yeah. he does go right back. He's done that in the past. Uh, Eduardo Atuesta is back. He, it's been important. He's you'd be stunned if he didn't play. So he's probably in there. But there's still there's still some some positions that could be had there. So we'll find out about Brian Rodriguez. I want to touch on a little. He's been spectacular. Uh, scoring early goals too in this preseason, scoring amazing goals with such precision. You look at it and you see a guy that I think already has to be considered talent-wise seven, one of the five, six, seven most influential players in the league. Yeah. Is that crazy? Oh, if he's playing like this. If he's playing like that. Well, because here, here's the thing. You bring in Brian Rodriguez and he's so supremely talented, but sometimes when you watch him, you forget about what he's actually accomplished in his short career. He hasn't been a huge goal scorer. He has the talent. You know, you look at him, the eye test says, man, this guy should be able to score 15, 20 goals from an from a outside attacker position, which is no easy feat, obviously. But he hasn't. He literally hasn't. And, it, and I think one of the things that has been so amazing about him in these, these preseason games is he's now finding those instances where he can score. We've seen him last season be able to dribble guys at midfield. We've seen him be able to do some nice things. He set up Carlos in the playoff game, but he hasn't been able to create his own shot. Now he's creating his own shot. He's finding moments to work with his teammates to find shots. If he starts getting three to four shots a game, he's easily a 15 to 20 goal player, and then the sky's the limit. So, yeah, I think it, it's important to note that it's preseason, but, man, it, if that he's finally added that part onto his game, the – you just can't. There's no telling what he could do, and and it's so important because again, we we just see a talented guy. We figure he's already got it. He didn't. Literally, didn't have it. Didn't have the shots. Didn't have the goals. He starts scoring for Uruguay, but I was seeing him in games, and I'm like, man, he he's so unpredictable. He's almost unpredictable in himself. He'd beat a guy, and then the ball would be not in the right place to shoot. Now he's beating a guy, and the ball's set up for him. It's in front of his body. He he. And now he, he we're showing. He's showing how much he's he's grown and how much he's learned from the system. He's not relying solely on the fact that he's just more talented than everyone else on the pitch. A tip of the cap, even though I'm not wearing a hat, maybe you can tip your cap or your hat to the LAFC scouting department because timing's everything. But you put yourself in good positions for timing. So LAFC gets Brian Rodriguez at the end of last season. After signing him, all of a sudden he's getting called up to Uruguay. All goals. of a sudden he's scoring for Uruguay. If LAFC don't move at that point, you don't and this it. guy comes in, starts getting called up, he didn't get called up because he signed with LAFC. Yeah. He, got, he was going to get called up. But they intervened. Yep. If you score three, four goals, and you're playing alongside Luis Suarez and Fede Valverde and all these guys, the top clubs are coming, and the valuation is going to be through the roof. Mm-hmm. LAFC was able to jump in front of that line, yeah. anticipating this might happen. Did it go better than they probably could imagine? Sure. But we say that about LAFC all the time now. It always goes better. That's what, why this team is doing it so well. Because they don't get them if they get them in this market. Yeah, there's they're, no, there's no they're sure You don't things. even ask. Yeah. Right? You don't go, can we? They have little, it's like, no, well, we're getting calls from teams in Spain. We're getting calls from teams in Italy and England. No, no. Yeah. So that's just keep that in mind when you see Brian Rodriguez play. Well, I went on just you know that that short rant before we started about because we were talking about Pizarro going to Inter, and, I, and we we both agree that's gonna be he's gonna be a great player and he's gonna be really fun to watch Miami. But um, so this narrative that it's so exciting that MLS is buying from Mexico, okay. I mean, but if you can buy guys before they go to Mexico, that's where the you real You want to do what the Mexican is. clubs are yeah, doing. they're going to be You want to beat the Mexican clubs because yeah. you're right. Brian Rodriguez could have players. ended up on Monterrey yeah. or Tigres. And then yeah, guess what? Or you America. You ain't getting them then. You're not getting them then. I think Mexico's a more realistic landing spot, but this is you're beating those guys to the punch. Yeah. 
And there's a risk. We, we have a real big, so I want to move along, but let's touch on, touch on the significance of Christian Torres. We've been and, talking about him a lot, so it's not like uh, it's out of the blue for people, And we right? heard people, everyone's like, oh, I'm going crazy about Christian Torres. And once again, we defer to Bob Bradley, who puts everything in context. We already told you on this podcast how the five academy kids between 14 and 15 came into training, were given uh, an absolute fair shake, were given every detail by the coaching staff, were given minutes in the preseason, and now Christian Torres scored. And I know you pointed out when we talked about it, but after the game Wednesday, Bob said it. He goes, this is a reflection off all the academy, of everything he did it. Christian Torres scored that goal off his first touch. Yep. He came right off the bench and scored, barely celebrated. So Bob Bradley's words and Christian Torres's actions kind of galvanized together to exactly that message. This was for the collective. Mm-hmm. This was for the LAFC Academy. Torres is now the figurehead because he scored the goal. Yeah, I love it. I, lo- I love the, the muted celebration. I, I re-looked at the video, and, and you see Jordan Harvey run in, and he kind of looks at, looks at the kid. He's like, hey, man, you just scored. I mean, Jordan's more excited for him than he is. Cause- he was taken away at the moment. He, he, he didn't know what to do. Yeah. And he I didn't think, want to celebrate. He didn't want to draw attention to himself. Right. But I think you make a good point. I mean, he knows that it's it's the amalgamation of the work that that group has done all through preseason. I mean, to have those kids, basically there was a need. There was a need for players in training. They said, hey, let's bring out five, six academy kids. Let's see what they can do. And they just they said, hey, let's keep bringing them back because they they were able to, to pick up ideas, like Bob said. They were able to train well. If, if they don't train well, they're not coming back. They're not getting in these games. So I think, like you said, we've got to – really compliment the whole academy from top to bottom and and that's what's so exciting i mean christian torres obviously we've talked a lot about him we've hyped him a lot i want to pretense it by saying he's still got a long long ways to go he's just 15 years old but yes this is a big moment and i think we should celebrate it for what it is a big moment for the entire academy christian torres will always remember this and i hope that he goes on to do even bigger and better things but let's just hold it for a moment as the academy. Let's not saddle this one player with expectations that maybe are going to be too heavy for, for a young guy. I'm watching the video on my laptop, uh, which was posted by Major League Soccer. Yeah. So hats off some more. Pr- and just beautifully taking goal. And I'm looking at Jordan Harvey coming. I can almost read his lips going, did you see what you did? So hats off to the entire academy players. <clears throat> they were able to participate in this... Uh, in this um, incredible event that it was this preseason, and they'll get the most out of it. So hats off to them. Yeah, and I'm sure they'll, we'll probably be seeing them at training throughout the regular season as well, which but, is great. That, uh, can, the, I, the, can I say something real quick? Seth Burton came over here, head of communications, dropped this uh, LAFC uh, notepad like I left it in his office. Yeah, it was in there. It's not mine. Oh. It's got all these... <laughs> that's Diego's. <laughs> oh, well, hey, Diego. we got secrets in there? Probably does. I can read it. Oh, okay. But we all have the same LAFC. We do. We leather have bound. Nice notebooks. Notebook. <laughs> all right. We'll leave it there, and uh, we will be back with the Tom Marshall interview. Just a heads up on this. Uh, I did it off the phone, and we did it in a room where it was a little echoey. So you'll hear Tom clear. You won't hear me so crystal clear. It's a bit. It's a bit tinny, dog. It's a no, bit. It, there's just a little bit of echo because Max, we had to put you in a smaller room. He was doing it via Skype. Uh, but Tom sounds okay. great. Uh, Max, you know, Ma- Ma- literally Max is just asking, lobbing Tom questions because Tom is an encyclopedia of knowledge. It's amazing. From Mexico. So if you need to know about, wh- one, what to do in Leon, and, but everything that to expect when you go to Leon, you, you need to listen to this interview. Yes. And at the end, uh, I said, if you're a fan going there, bring some LFC hats or shirts if you can. Maybe one and pass it off to a Leon fan. 
because maybe we can build some fans down there. Yeah. So that's coming up. Tom is fantastic. Later on after that, we will preview the game coming up Tuesday, the 18th at Estadio León. This is Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast. and Vince podcast LAFC just days away from taking on Club Leon in the CONCACAF Champions League first leg there on the 18th of this month. With that in mind, we bring in a man who knows the CONCACAF Champions League, who knows Liga MX, knows MLS as well very at a very high level. Tom Marshall, Mexican national team at Liga MX for ESPN FC. Tom, thanks for joining us from Mexico. No problem, Max. Yeah, just here in Guadalajara. Looking forward to next week. I'll be, I'll be heading to to Leon, Guanajuato, and yeah, can't wait for the game. To be honest, it's been certainly on the calendar for LAFC for some time. It has been marked, and they are ready for this game. Obviously, coming into the game, LAFC with the disadvantage. This will be their first competitive game. Leon, on the other hand, uh, will be I believe six games into the season by the time this game rolls around. So. We look at Leon early on. What, is, what has been your observations about what this team has done early on here in the Clausura tournament? Honestly, Max, I just think they've, they've, they've picked up where they left off last last year. I mean, for me, Club Leon were the, the best Liga MX team in 2019. You know, no, no team in Mexico scored more goals. No team in Mexico won more points. Um, and Club Leon, you know, going into, going into this game are, are absolutely flying. Um, you know, just playing some really good football. You know, maybe we'll probably get into it, but maybe there were a couple of defensive weaknesses. But um, at the end of the day, I think this is a really, really strong Leon team that is uh, that is in form. So it's it's a tough one for LAFC. It's it couldn't really get much harder, to be honest. <laughs> it's crazy that they were on one side of the pots at LAFC, and I remember we were getting around for that draw, and you know, people were excited about the prospects of that, but hopefully looking for a way to ease into the tournament for LAFC. I imagine Leon would like to ease into the tournament in a perfect world as well. So you mentioned um, what has been doing so well for this team. I want to get into some of those players, but just to get an idea of what will be awaiting LAFC players, LAFC fans that will be in Leon Guanajuato for this game. What is a Leon game, certainly a game of this magnitude, what is a Leon game that stadium like? No, it's, it's honestly, honestly, Max. I'm not just saying it. It's one of the best places to to watch a game in Mexico in terms of the fan experience. You know, Leon's not the biggest city. It's like 1.2, 1.3 million people, but it's a one club city, and everybody in that town goes to Club Leon. So it's a really, it's a tight venue. It's intense. It's uh, and it produces one of the best, one of the best atmospheres in Mexico. And it's a club with a lot of history. I mean, this is the first Campeonissimo in in Mexico. In football and they've never won the CONCAF Champions League so obviously it's a priority as well so I think the fans are going to be up for it um, 9 o'clock kickoff is good as well because a lot of people in Mexico finish work at 7pm which is sometimes why you don't see a lot of people in those earlier games um, and I think by 9pm 9, 9 they'll be uh, they'll be heading to the stadium They had never won the, the CCL and they want to obviously get that on their wall of honour uh, CONCACAF Champions League here in Major League Soccer is not uh, is not received with as enthusiasm as you would like. LAFC is certainly hoping to change that. They've been really enthusiastic with this tournament. But how is it by and large viewed in Mexico by the media, by the fans? Uh, where does it prioritize amongst all the other soccer competitions? 
Honestly, Max, I think there's been a significant change in the last few years. I think what CONCACAF have done to the competition in terms of, you know, the NLS and the League MX teams now coming in in the knockout rounds. Every, there's no excuse now for a Mexican club to not take it 100% seriously because, they, you know, they're, not, they're, they're also not involved in the Mexican cup competition as well. So it's like, you know, you might as well play, you might as well go all out and try and win this competition. Um, and it's that Club World Cup. I mean, people in Europe might, might not take it too seriously, but certainly in Mexico, making that Club World Cup, you know, it's really important. So, um, so all these Mexican clubs involved this time around, uh, it, it's a priority. I mean, there's a, there's a cup there. Um, and, you know, the, 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 they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Whereas obviously in Liga MX, you've, you've still got a full season to go. So yeah, definitely. I definitely think it's a priority for uh, for the Mexican clubs these days. The tournament, as you point out, the light at the end of the tunnel, it's not that far if you can you can get through there. It's good to hear that. I certainly sense it. You know, I watch a lot of the uh, the talk shows, the Football Picantes, the Línea de Juego, and they're talking more and more about this competition. But how are the, you know, MLS, we've, it's been well documented how they have struggled in, in the Carver Cup Champions League. But how are the MLS participants viewed historically when this rolls around? No, I mean, you know, MLS team has to, they have to win the competition. I mean, we can talk about the recent record, which hasn't actually been that bad. But until an MLS team wins this competition, then the perception in Mexico, it's just too easy for a Liga MX fan, uh, you know, a Mexico fan to say that a Liga MX team has won the last 14, this competition the last 14 times. I mean, it's difficult to come up with an argument to say, no, MLS is catching, MLS is catching until they actually win this competition. So for me, it's absolutely fundamental that in the next couple of years, an MLS team does do it. Not because I particularly want it or anything, but it's this competition needs that that kind of rivalry. And and I tell you what, you can feel it building up. Um, you know, the, even the fact Carlos Vela is going to be playing his first club game ever in Mexico. I mean, that, that adds another element to it. And then you see all these... You know, Liga MX transfers heading to MLS. You know, Rodolfo Pizarro, it looks like. Um, you know, Alan Pulido, Chicharito as well. I mean, it, that all feeds into this kind of rivalry between Liga MX and MLS. And um, I mean, yeah, I think the, the one thing missing now is for an MLS club to go and win this CONCACAF Champions League, which I think it just, it just elevate the competition, you know, just that extra notch higher. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll, we'll see if it happens in the next couple of years. But um Certainly, the, the MLS team on paper look a lot stronger. Look stronger. You mentioned there's been some headway made in results. Do you think it's getting closer? Actually, let me rephrase that. What have you seen in the teams that have performed well that could provide a blueprint for an LAFC or an MLS team to do well in the CONCACAF Champions League? Honestly, Max, I think it depends on you know a team-by-team basis. Um, I don't think, you know... Bob, we saw, you know, LAFC last year under Bob Bradley. I don't think we're going to see an LAF, LAFC team come come and sit back for 90 minutes. And I think a lot of the MLS teams, to be honest, have played, when they play that kind of counter-attacking, look for free kicks, you know, uh, set pieces. That that's A lot of the time, that's successful because I think stylistically, we don't see that too much in Mexico. And the Mexican clubs don't, I don't know, they're not used to playing against that style. Um, but... I think when you look at, you know, obviously LAFC, you, you've got a match winner. I mean, in Carlos Vela, you've got the the the, the player in in North America that you'd most want on on the on your team to win you a match. So you don't always have to play that well. You know, LAFC might not have to play that well in Leon. 
Vela's on form and he gets a couple of chances or even not even chances but space to run at the Leon defence, which isn't the best, then he can turn a match. So um, I don't know. I, th- I think it, you know obviously MLS teams have done better. I think they're a lot smarter in the preparation as well. But at the end of the day, um, you know every series is different and, um, and 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 obviously it depends on the on the quality of of, of the MLS teams coming into it as well. Tom, at the beginning of our, our interview here, uh, I, I lost a little hope because, you know, Leon sound like the, the bull of the woods, the team to look out for uh, based on their form. But what you said about LAFC certainly closes the gap. So with that in mind, what do you think the perspective of Leon is going to be? Because we hear that LAFC and MLS teams don't go down there and, and get results. But you mentioned the match winner in Carlos Vela and you mentioned the team that doesn't sit back. Does does that change the way Leon approaches this? Is there is there some fear on their end from the challenge that awaits them on the 18th? I don't I don't think so. <laughs> to be honest, I think Leon are going to absolutely fly at LAFC. I think they're going to try and blow them away early as early as possible. Obviously, factoring in everything, you know, LAFC's first real game of, of 2020, and also the altitude. I mean, Leon's not considered kind of a a city that's particularly high up, but it's actually higher than Denver, you know. So it gives you a perspective of uh, of the challenge that uh, LAFC have, have got there. But yeah, Leon, to be honest, the way they play, they're the most exciting team to watch right now in Mexico. Um, you know, I think I think they scored 42 goals over the last 20 games. Um, you know, but on the other hand, they've only they've only kept two clean sheets in those same 20 games. So Leon's a team that, that is going to you know they're going to pile players forward. They're going to try and get that early goal, but at the same time, they always give you a chance. You never, you never, you never kind of blow teams away. So, um, so yeah, like I said, I think with with Bello and obviously the the power of that LAFC front line, I think it's going to be absolutely crucial that if and when the chances do come, that they take them because um, you know Leon are going to be absolutely fired up and, and flying at LAFC from the from the first whistle. Exciting team in Mexico. LAFC, I would say the most exciting team when it comes to scoring output based on what we saw last season. There's no yeah. way this game ends scoreless, right? No, no, I don't <laughs> think so. I just, I can't see it. I honestly can't see it. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I think, I think the way you're pitching this game is, it's the best team from MLS in 2019 against the best team in League of Mexico in 2019. Obviously, with the leagues, with the, with the different formats, with the playoff system. You know, being the best team doesn't guarantee you a title like like both Leon and LAFC found out last year. But you know, in terms of the way they play as well, I think uh, this is a this. You know, they talk about boxers. You know, styles making matches. Well, uh, I think this is this is absolutely perfect way to uh, to start that uh, CCL fever, Max. <laughs> you know what this is? Yeah, this is your first <laughs> hitman, Hearns, Thomas Hagler, without a doubt. This is going to be uh, for the, the fences for sure. Carlos, it's a subplot, but it really isn't. But Carlos Vela returning to Mexico for the first time as a professional. How, now that we're a week out or so, how is that being viewed in the Mexican media? How is it being viewed within the teams of the leagues, the players? I'm sure it's been asked about them, about playing Carlos Vela. Yeah, no, for sure. For a start, I think the ticket prices are slightly higher than they would usually than, than they'd usually be. Um, I think they're at, starting around thirteen dollars, which Obviously, from from a US perspective, don't sound that great, but don't sound that high. Sorry, but um, but in Mexico, that's 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 quite that's quite expensive for a ticket. So, um, and and to be honest, in the Mexican press, that's the talking point. 
I mean, it's all about Carlos Vela. It's all about Carlos Vela coming down here, playing his first game. It's going to be about the reaction he gets from Leon fans. It's going to be, you know, let's see how many LFC fans uh, come down because what I see on social networks is, you know, I don't, I don't think, I think there's going to be a few fans down in Leon as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, but, but it is all about Vela in Mexico. I mean, obviously, Vela's just been this figure that this just, I don't know how, how, how you put it in words, but there's this weird kind of figure who, you know, he's, he's the most talented Mexican player of his generation. He's an absolute genius. But then Mexico, in terms of the national team, has never kind of harnessed that talent into, in you know, with L3. So he, he's got a very weird relationship with Mexico and, and obviously the Mexican press. So um, so it's definitely a lot of the focus is going to be on how the Leon fans interact with Bella. Are they going to boo him? Are they, is he going to get applause? I mean, I'm pretty sure he's going to get booed, to be honest. But, um, but I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see... Uh, you know, to see how he does and how he handles it as well. It's booed as well. And I, I think there will be a small undercurrent of folks that will really appreciate him seeing. But how do you think his arrival will be viewed by, I mean, how, when he gets there, what kind of exposure do you think he will get uh, on Televisa, Tele Azteca, then Carlos Vela's back in Mexico? No, it's, it's going to be the main story that day. I mean, you know, it's going to be the lead you know, the lead um, story going into all the programs, you know, how is he going to deal with it? How is he going to do? Is he going to score a goal? You know, and if he does score a goal, then it's going <laughs> to he'll go crazy. And if and if LAFC get a result, then, then you know, it'll, it'll bring up those old kind of, you know, kind of repetitive in a way um, arguments about is MLS catching? Because there is a kind of almost a psychosis that every every now and then, you know, MLS teams get a good result and, and or, or, you know, like we've seen in the, this last transfer window, that MLS clubs buy talent from League MX, and and it's the old it's the old debate over you know is MLS catching League MX, and you've got those who say yeah definitely, and then you've got those who say no no way they've got to win the Concacaf Champions League, and and so the Carlos Vela and how he does and how LAFC does is very much going to be fed into that kind of uh, conundrum as well. It's shaping up to be a huge event. I want to circle back really quickly to Leon and uh, the big stories that they lose. You know, a guy some people feel is the best player in Liga MX right now, Jota Jota Macias, JJ Macias. Leon have been able to replace him so far in the short term. Uh, they have a leading scorer in Angel Mena, who's really turned on his output. What are the things, uh, personnel-wise, that they have done to help fill that void of Macias? Yeah, I mean they've got Leo Ramos up front, who, who was on the bench last last season, and you know he's a very good striker. He played for Lobos Buap, scored a lot of goals for for a not very good team. So they've not actually missed him that much, to be honest. Um, but yeah, for me, Leon, it's all about that front four. You know, you got Ismael Sosa, uh, Chapito Montes, Angel Mena, and Ramos. I mean, those those four together, I think that they've been absolutely key. They're very fluid the way they move, um, swap positions. Chapito Montes, 33 years old. I mean. You know, watching him the other day when they went up against uh, Monterrey, it was like, you know, obviously these rumors about Pizarro and into Miami. I don't know. I mean, it was like Luis Montes is, is was the best player on the field, you know, um, and he's he's having a kind of you know renaissance. So um, so yeah, it's very much the attacking talent, the fluidity, the movement, um, and and the goal scoring. I mean, Angel Mena, arguably the best player in Liga MX in 2019 as well. I mean, it's so difficult to kind of. Um, get a grip on defensively. So yeah, definitely, uh, I definitely say the strength uh, is the offense, hundred percent. 
this has been fantastic, and uh, we look forward to this matchup. We, you mentioned the fans. There's going to be a big contingent of fans from LAFC heading down there. Any advice you can give them on where they should go, what they should do to enjoy the full Leon experience? Yeah, honestly, head downtown. Um, I think every Mexican city, the downtown's always pretty. You know, obviously, be safe, be respectful. For with the Leon fans, Leon have got a great fan base. Um, you know, I always enjoy going there. And if you have got some spare time, hundred percent, one hundred, hundred percent advise. If you can do a day trip, day trip to Guanajuato, the city of Guanajuato, for me, it's possibly the most beautiful city in Mexico. Hundred uh, percent worth it if if you get a few hours spare. It's I think it's about an hour, an hour and a half down the road from Leon. So definitely, definitely go there. Fantastic. That's a that's 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 a nice midweek for anyone. So I know those fans will look forward to. There is an outside outside chance that I get on a late flight and get down there. So we'll see. I I, I do things late in the game, but there might be the case. And if I do that, we'll see if I can squeeze eleven as best I can. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Nice one, Max. Yeah, do it. Get the flight. <laughs> thanks for the okay. invite. <laughs> Excellent, Tom Marshall of ESPN, ESPN FC, joining us here on Inside LAFC with. Max and Vince, which will continue right after we take a quick break. We are back here inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast. Thank you once again to Tom Marshall, who is an absolute delight to... to I asked him if he would do it. He said immediately, yes. I said, thanks. He goes, anytime. He's got that high-pitched voice I love. Well, I think this is a big compliment for anybody that knows, but Tom is the Tim Vickery of Mexico. Yes. You ever listen to Tim Vickery? It's a, I mean, you say, all right, I, I'm conceding to this Brit... Mm-hmm. South American and Mexican things, but they do their homework and they love where they are. Yeah. Tim Vickery's in Rio. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Tom is in Guadalajara and they've immersed themselves in there. They do a fantastic job because they embrace this league. A lot of folks don't. They, I mean, they love it. And in other credits, Tom, I think there's a lot of Liga MX broadcasters, journalists, reporters that really look down on MLS and Tom has yes. embraced MLS as well because he, he's gonna be he respects the- it. He, he understands that, look, Mexico's still king. He gets it. He knows that they're still, especially going into this CONCACAF Champions League, they're still going to be the favorites to, to lift the trophy. But he's not the type to just say, hey, it's, it's a foregone conclusion. So I, I respect Tom in that respect because he, he knows the players. He does his homework. So we were talking about Leon specifically. And now let's go into preview. We've talked about it a lot. So we're going to try yeah. and uh, give you the meat and potatoes of this matchup. So it's, We're going to uh, give you the starting 11 right now. Here we go. Here we go. Starting from the back. Kenneth Vermeer. There you go. That's it. Not confirmed. All right. Not confirmed. Not confirmed. But um, we get the idea. We know from the preseason about seven or eight spots that are pretty locked down. There's four that I think are up for debate from us and the public. I'm sure uh, Bob and and company have a good idea of who those guys are going to be. Look, I can lay it out with names. Right. Who's going to play center forward? Dio's obviously injured. Is it going to be Carlos as a number nine with Brian and Diego on either side? It's Is it going to be Adrian, Adrian Perez with Carlos in a wing position? We don't yeah. know. Midfield, there's obviously some spots open, surely by the fact that we had... Mark Anthony K played, which we, I think we should... No, he did not I'm play. sorry, he didn't play. He, didn't play. he, he has not played. So he yeah, hasn't so played. So Mark's been injured, that. and we've and had we a lot of guys out. whether he'll probably be in there. He's, he's, he says not healthy. He, look, you ask Mark, he's ready to play any, it, but, any day of the week. Right, so but it's not his decision. Not his decision. So by sheer... The sheer fact that the guys have not been here, there's positions in midfield open. And then obviously now with the Walker trade, what happens at center back? What happens at right back? So those, those are the touch points. If, right. if you listen to what I'm saying, you can probably fill in the rest of the positions right. from there. I think a lot of people, I just like to say to have fun. If Mark Anthony K cannot go, 
you look at that midfield, one of those new guys, it, it may start, I'm talking about Pancho and Sifu, mm-hmm. one might start, at the very least one will play minutes yeah. in some sort of uh, reserve role. They'll definitely be on the bench. And yes, the, the they'll bench be on the bench. Is, look, even with bench losing... sick. <laughs> yeah, even with losing Dio for the, the time period that we'll have lost him, the bench is, is, is deep. You've got guys like, if Cifuentes and, and Pancho Janelle are on the bench, those are big-time guys you can bring off the Let's bench. Let's talk about that, because... When you look at the history of CONCACAF Champions League, what do they say about MLS? We don't have the salary cap. We don't have the depth. So in a tournament, we're going to, over two games, over four games, we're going to suffer. But this team does have that. They're going to have a bench that's going to go, whoa. Yeah. And especially if these guys get healthy, like Mark Anthony K, you're like, this can compete. All right, we get a pinch. We can bring three guys off the bench that can maybe change this game. That's a new wrinkle. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I look, in this segment, we're, we, we'll talk about the challenge. Leon are in first place in Mexico. As we record this, they have a game Friday, so they, I think we'll, they're playing San Luis, so they'll probably stay up there. Mm-hmm. LAFC hasn't played a game. All MLS teams have done this over the years, and we complain about it, and rightfully so, but there's nothing you could do about it. However, even though MLS teams have not won the tournament, there has been success recently suggesting that it is imminent. I remember in college basketball, this is much longer. They go, a 16th seed will, will beat a one seed one year. I go, no, it won't. There's no way. Never going to happen. It finally happened. Finally, yeah. Many years. It finally happened. The Mar- University of Maryland, Baltimore County. But they say this about sports all over. But when you're peppering, and what happened two years ago, where we almost had two MLS finalists, last year they took a step back, but why not take a step forward? Whether it's LAFC, whether it's Seattle, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's New York City FC, whether it's L'Impact de Montreal, it's... It's destined to happen. LAFC have put themselves in a situation. They didn't get the greatest draw, no. But they put themselves in a situation, as all MLS teams starting from scratch in this game, where they could be the team. They've created depth. They have the talent. They have uh, an ace in their back pocket with Carlos Vela that Mm -hmm. is going to be the highest profile Arguably the most talented player on the He's pitch. He's going to still be the best player on the pitch. Yeah. They have some good players. They but that's some, a collective... That's not to knock down their players. It's just he's Carlos Vela. I just said that to be respectful because, you know, a Leon, a Leon fault. But, you know, they have the top score in Angel Mena, but you don't put Angel Mena in Carlos Vela's class. You don't put Luis Montes in his class. Uh, Ismael Sosa, not in his class. You have the best player. That's something you rarely could say mm-hmm. in the CONCACAF Champions League yeah. from an MLS Almost perspective. Never. Yeah, You may have the best two players on the pitch. Yeah. You Brian, may have yeah. the best. The two way Brian Rodriguez is going right now, the field. Uh, you might have the best two players. And I think one of the things Tom pointed out was that Leon is, is kind of built similar to LAFC. They want to play football. They want to get out and run. They want to transition quickly. They want to find spaces in your defense as, as you come forward. They're gonna they're gonna soak it up a little bit. They're gonna find ways to set little traps, and then they're gonna get out and run. That's gonna be interesting. But I think the the big thing is uh, that Tom pointed out was there hasn't been a lot of MLS teams that then when they get out and run finish if Carlos Vela finishes if Brian Rodriguez finishes that's where Leon's gonna look and go okay this is a little bit different than what we're used to we're used to MLS teams getting their chances we're not used to them executing and that's from both sides is gonna be the most pivotal thing Tom said that he thinks Leon is gonna come and try to just flatten LAFC right from the get-go really try to put some pressure on that makes perfect sense to me being that you played six six games already and LAFC never has but if LAFC can can soak that in get the ball to guys like Brian and Carlos in space. It could be a total... You could be looking at things where, where maybe Leon's saying, wow, we did not expect this result. Right. It's... First leg's going to be tough there, and I expect Leon to score. At cool. least a goal, maybe two. Yep. 
away goals matter here. They do. I think in the final they they do not. They the do final, not. The final is when round of sixteen gets away goals. I think LAFC are good for an away goal. Yeah, or two. A two look a, a two look you don't want to lose, but a two to one defeat. A three to two defeat. Three to two defeat sets you up very nicely as long as you get that away goal and you keep the deficit to one goal, maybe two, but I, I think one to keep your to really feel good about it. You, you have a chance. You have a real chance. And and like we said just before we started this. The, one of the most interesting aspects to me is it's two teams that over the course of a season have proven they can play great football, they can, they can be the best team in the league, but when it gets to playoffs, when it gets to either a two-legged tie or a one-off, these are two teams that have disappointed in, in recent memory. So yeah. how have they learned? <laughs> how have they learned? How has, re, how has LFC's young players learned from the fact that, man, you got to maybe have just a little bit something different when it comes to one-off? If they've learned and then these guys that they've restocked with can can be difference makers. Then Leon's in for some trouble. And if Leon hasn't learned from their recent, you know, they were were they the number one seed last playoffs? No, they Santos. They were number two seed. They were up there, and but the prior tournament they were the one seed. They got to the final and lost. So yeah. I think that's uh, you've been nailing it here. This I do my homework, Vince. But you've been nailing. Tom it. brings it. No, I got to bring it. It's not just your homework, but it's like interesting points. I don't think people have seen it. But Leon, we look at LAFC. Yeah, we we bounced out of the MLS Cup playoffs early. In the, that's Leon's M.O. Yeah. Historically, mm-hmm. in recent years. They've won it, but they've been a great team, but haven't been able to go over. The last two tournaments, they were probably had designs on winning it, and they fell short. Yeah. Well, I think in recent... They, won, they did win in 2013 and 14. There, but well, that, there's yeah. three major pitfalls that MLS has had in CONCACAF Champions League. The fact that our season starts later, nothing you can do about that. The depth. We've we'll bang are, that drum, and they better change yeah, it. The depth and the talent chasm, we'll say. LFC's clearly made up a lot of that depth and talent you know, margin. The third thing is there's just something that these Mexican sides know. They just know how to compete in this tournament. And Bob brings it up. It's just, it's having that little bit of extra experience, a little bit of extra knowledge. That's something that you really can't put your finger on, but you only have to experience it to know it. And if LAFC has, has garnered that from the Seattle loss and from last losses, maybe to the galaxy in the regular season and losses before, it's going to be a good, good night. Good. We should probably, I'm going to give a little prediction. How do you like that? I'm not doing, doing it, but you can. Leon three, okay. LAFC two. I like it. I said that there. I go. I'm gonna go three right. two. And that and would be a great game to watch. And I think they would take it. All right. This is gonna be a great series. I mean, it, this could be, as they say in Germany, autobahn yeah. football. Uh, I can't be anything but optimistic, I and I don't mean optimistic as in just like I think LAFC is gonna win. I'm optimistic in like I feel like we're gonna see a really great game. That's what I want more than anything. Look, I don't want like look. Well, if LAFC wins four 0 love it. But I just you know you just don't want like some kind of tonking early on in the game and it's just like because you know how these conca calf games can get they can get a little there's you know get a little bit of blood a little bit of uh, bad stuff I don't I just don't want to see that I just want to see two teams playing football um, and for our first four way foray into the international competition to really lay down a marker very cool stuff so I. I'm really proud of this. Great work. I'm proud of this podcast. I'm proud of every week, but this was good. And I think you are in a great position. This is what we want to do. A great position to be sophisticated and knowledgeable about. We're just sharing what we knowledge, which we sticks to us because we're around this team all the time. And we hope that service is for you. If that's something you enjoy, subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We've noticed uh, about, there we get yeah. people come up and hey say man, it. And if you're listening to this on the plane, you got some Wi-Fi, go ahead and retweet us. 
Yeah. Send it to some friends. Retweet us. This is a good, we give you a good little primer for your trip. Oh, yeah. And we're going to post photos of our outfits so you can be the judge as well. So we have a little fun. We always post the inside LAFC logo, but, you know, Jeff Parrish, that's enough credit for you. We have to pay him every time we use it. So we'll use our own photo. I know. He's rich now. He's rich. 25 cents. Well, you <laughs> got anything else? Are you still sneaking down there? You still going to sneak oh, down right. to game, te- game day decision. Oh. I will oh. buy my ticket at the Tijuana Airport terminal and fly in from there. If you but find, I think I might be doing it. If you find Max Bredos and take a picture with him, please send them my way. I want to see. I want to see all the uh, where's Waldo. Where's I, had Max? A, I was dreaming last night. I go, this is one of those things. Where you go, this is a situation where you've. I've almost saying I'm going to go now. This is a situation. You go. You're going down by yourself. You have people there that you can hang out with and see. And this is this is where you're being big time. You're an on the fly. My round guy trip too. ticket's 110 bucks. Yeah, 100 dollars. And like you know, we we have things. I go. I'm going to fly down as a fan. So I'm, I think I'm going to do it. Well. We'll find, see. We'll find out. Find Max Bredos. I just don't want to drive two Look hours. <laughs> take take pictures. Oh, yeah, you got to drive down to Tijuana if you wanted to get that cheaper flight. But take pictures. Send it to us. We'll I'll retweet them. All right. So long. Till next week. Hopefully, we're talking about some good times. Bye bye.